Welcome to Caritals. Turning down work is a bad idea. The questions this cast answers are, why shouldn't I turn work down? What if I have too much work? Can I turn work down then? And what do I do if I'm asked to do more work? So Kate, we frequently see advice on the internet and hear from listeners that they've been told that to tell their bosses that they can't take more work on and to refuse extra work. And we say that's terrible advice. And we don't want people to be overworked or working excessive hours. You know, we don't want you to take on work and then, you know, work become 100% of your life. But we're saying that taking on more work when you're asked to is a career positive move. Absolutely. We have two points today. First is say yes. And second is figure out how to get it done. Very easy outline. I like it. It's a pretty simple idea, but we're going to elaborate on why. Right? We're going to talk about why you should do it and what the benefits are to your career. Because we see a lot of bad advice out there, which really does say to turn down work when your boss asks if you can do more. But we say that you should say yes. The person who says yes opens their themselves up to new opportunities and new learning and enhances their relationship with their boss. It's one of these organizational taxes that we sometimes discuss because well-run organizations have certain characteristics. And one of those is that there's always more work than there are people to do it. If there were more people than work, we'd be paying some people to sit around and do nothing. Yeah, that makes no sense. Hopefully we're not doing that. And so it's just a bad investment, right? If, if it was you, you wouldn't pay someone to wait for the grass to grow. You would pay them once the grass needs to be mown. So the nature of the organization replicates itself in the nature of the job for each person in the organization. So it's just a condition that applies to both the organization and individuals that each person within the organization has more work than can be done. And you know there's work that you're not doing right now, right? There are things on your desk that aren't getting done, things that would be great to have done, things that have fallen onto the back burner, they've been there for a while, things you'd love to get done, kind of like pet project things maybe that you don't have time to do. We all have those kinds of things. So if we all have too much work to do and we all have work that's waiting to be done or that we would like to be done, why would we say yes to even more work? Well, there's another characteristic of organizations that replicates itself for individuals. An organization pushes work down. As more work comes in at the top, it pushes down and out the less valuable work. So for example, a company might be providing services to 500 customers at a range of 100 to $1,000 a month. So we've got 500 customers, and some of them only pay $100 a month, some of them pay up to $1,000 a month. Um, and we've got these 500 customers. If the 501st customer comes in, right, we can't deal with more than 500 customers. That's just a constraint of whatever this is. And when the 501st customer comes in, and they're willing to pay $900 a month, then we need to get rid of what the customer that's only paying $100 a month because that way we can increase the total amount of value that the company is creating by another $800. And so it makes sense for the company not to service that customer, even if it was the first customer who's only paying $100. And it works for you too. So as you are asked to do more work by your boss, you're pushing out the least valuable work you do. 
So say your boss is asking you to write her monthly memos that go to the board to explain the numbers. So that's valuable work to you because it puts you in front of the board, it allows you to impress them, and maybe you'll get a promotion out of it. So that's value. If it takes a couple of hours a month, then there's other things that you have to either work out how to do in less time or you don't do them. And so your least important work doesn't get done. And the organization benefits because you're working on higher value work and you benefit because you're working on higher value work. It's something that's true for everyone that no one goes home at the end of the day with their desk completely clean. So there's going to be stuff that either doesn't get done or gets a lower priority. And so what we're we're really asking is, a, a, it's a value equation, right? Mm-hmm. And it's what work is most valuable. And so when your boss asks you to do something, they're asking you to do something that they believe is valuable. Even if you don't see the work that you're being asked to add to your plate as valuable, there's value in being known as the person who's willing to take that on. There's value in being the person who says yes. There's value in the exercise that you're forced to do as well when you have to fit new work in. It causes you to be more efficient in the work that you already have and to evaluate the priorities of your work. If you can get used to figuring out how to manage more work and more tasks and more projects, then you can always fit in the work you want to do when it's time to work on it. And so it really forces you to be more efficient with your time and be more careful about the things that you work on and how you spend your day at your desk. And if we're talking about this, right, because it's great to be the person who the boss comes to and and asks. Another thing to note here is about the people who don't get given more work. Those people aren't trusted. From your boss's point of view, it's pretty obvious that you don't give more work to someone who would mess it up. It makes more no sense for your boss to give work to someone who might mess it up. And the fact that she's asking means that she trusts you to take on this work and to not mess it up. Your boss thinks that you're capable of doing the work, whether you can see that or not. The person who's given the most work, the more work on their plate, isn't the poor guy who has like too much to do. That person is winning the race. That person is the trusted person on the team. You're right. So there's a lot of value in being the person who says yes, not only because it puts you in circumstances where you might not have been able to be before, like puts you in front of the board or puts you in front of your boss's peers or your boss's boss, which are all great things for your career. But even if it doesn't, even if it's the equivalent of, I don't know, sweeping the corridors outside your offices, there's still value in the exercise that you have to go to to work out how you're going to do that. And there's still value in being the person who the boss can depend on, being the person who says yes to work and being the person who's trusted to do that work. So all those things come together in this is why you say yes. And if you're still trying to work out ways to say no and still have those benefits, you you can't. You have to say yes in order to have those benefits. and. The first time you do it, it's really hard. It's really hard to work out, oh, how am I going to get this done that takes an extra two hours out of my week? What am I not going to do? How do I work out what the different value points are in my work? But the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And if you want to progress in the com- in the company, you never get less work. When you get promoted, there will not be less work to do. There'll be more work to do. That's why those people are paid the big bucks, as we joke. There'll always be more work to do. And so the better you are at working out how to get that done and to do it in a quality way and 
not drive yourself crazy at the same time. Those are really valuable skills if you want to progress in your career. Mm -hmm. The thing that bosses say about people who say yes to more work is that's the guy that gets things done. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good guy to be, right? Exactly. It's great to have that reputation. Okay, so we're going to say yes. That's our recommendation that you should say yes. And then our second thing is you have to figure out now how to get that work done. You have to take on this new work. You may not have all the bandwidth in the world to do so. And so now it's time to figure out how to get those things done. The truth of the matter is, though, that most of us, none of us are 100% productive, but most of us really overestimate how productive we are. And none of us are 100%. We're, we're not 100% productive. That's just impossible. We're probably maybe 50% productive, right? Research actually shows that we are really only productive for about three hours a day. We do things like get coffee or, you know, hang out at the water cooler, talk to people in the break room. We get distracted and we work on a side project. Sometimes you surf the web or you talk to your friends, you know, especially with cell phones nowadays. Everyone's texting in their office, right? Your phone's constantly going off. You're reading the news. There's all kinds of things. Even just walking to a meeting, that's not 100% productivity. Exactly. You and I had to wait to record this because there was noises outside both of our apartments. So true. We're an hour and a half late. Exactly. And we didn't, we spent some of that time doing something productive. We talked about another process that you and I are working on together, but we didn't spend all of it being entirely productive. Some of it was just waiting for the noise to go. And, you know, we could have used that time more efficiently if we had thought about it. But, you know, when you're in it and something's happened and it's kind of derailed what you planned, it's hard to suddenly make that time into productive time. And those things that derail you happen all the time. You know, the system goes down or the power goes out or, you know, someone is late for a meeting and you spend 10 minutes waiting for them. There's all sorts of time in your schedule that you're not using to best effect. And you can't use all of your schedule perfectly. You can't. It's impossible for human beings to be 100% productive. But there's usually some room for you to be more productive than you are right now. So that's what we're going to try and help you work out where that time is and what you're going to do with it. It's funny, Mark and I always joke about people who play solitaire and play games on the airplane. Mm -hmm. Business travelers playing games on the airplane. That's not 100% productivity. Not that you shouldn't get to you know play games or people who watch a lot of TV. Okay, we're not 100% productive all the time. And so one of the reasons we are going to say yes before we figure out how to get it done is that we're forced to figure it out if we've already said yes. So if you've said yes, now it's time to decide how am I going to get this done? Maybe your boss asks you to run the staff meeting and you could say no because you're already busy. And your perception of your time and your efficiency and productivity tells you that you don't have any time to do this extra prep and run the meeting and all those things. But if you've said yes, your brain will be trying to make it happen. And so your brain's going to work hard to figure out, hey, how can I get this done? And that's really important. Again, this is a skill that you're going to need over and over in your career. And so the only way to get good at it is to practice doing it. It's true, too, of the inefficiencies we were discussing in people's schedules earlier. It's very true that the only way to push those inefficiencies out is to increase your workload. And so you just have to say yes and then try to figure it out. We'll try this right now. So if we ask our listeners, we said, 
we want you to add something to your plate that takes an hour a week. And you have to start right now, right? We're going to ask you to take this on. You have no choice. You have to do it. Okay. Can you get this done? How can you do it? Can you do that? Can you add this thing that takes an hour to your calendar? And probably if you're listening right now, your brain is busy making suggestions and giving you ideas and kind of shifting things around as to how you could get it done. And some of that might be, okay, what won't get done this week in favor of this hour of work? You're already making those choices, right? You're already going home at the end of the day without having completed every single task on your desk. And by the way, most of us aren't getting in trouble for that either. So we're going to continue to do that. We're just going to do it with a little more creativity maybe, or a little more pressure because this is something our boss is asking us to do. And that reminds me of the the motto, the saying, um, work expands to fill the time available. If you've got a task and you've got four hours to do it, it will last four hours. If you've got a task, the same task, and you've only got an hour to do it, you'll work out how to do it in an hour. It's just the way that your brain works. It's the way that human beings work. We like to have something to do. We like to tell ourselves we're doing something and being productive. And if we've got four hours to do that thing, we'll make it last four hours. And yet, if you compress the time, suddenly you're able to do it in an hour. You're able to find different ways to do that. When I was working two jobs, I had to find time in my day to do two jobs And one of the things I didn't have time to do was go grocery shopping. So I found a service that would bring my groceries to my house. And that saved me, I know, an hour a week, probably, in going to the grocery store, doing the shopping, bringing it back. All I had to do was put it in the cupboards in the kitchen. And that saved me an hour a week. And that helped me be able to do two jobs at the same time. And, you know, I found that solution because I had to. Mm -hmm. And... You find that, you know, when you have to, you'll find the solution. Absolutely. Yesterday I was working on something and Mark mentioned something to me about it. And I spent an extra 20 minutes in the function because I was hoping to solve this other problem. And I had put 30 minutes on my calendar to get that thing done. It took, sometimes it takes 30, sometimes it takes four. And yesterday it only took like three or four minutes, but Mark had mentioned something else about it. So I spent a bunch of time kind of swimming around in there and I got a little bit of extra stuff done, but none of what I got done was important enough for me to waste 25 minutes kind of just messing around with that thing. But what we find is that you're, you can't be 100% productive. And so you're going to spend some time working on some stuff that isn't as useful as the other things. And if it's work that your boss has asked you to do, it's really something that you do need to focus on. And so you have to pay more attention to your time. And that's always a good thing because Time is very valuable and it's only going to become more valuable, especially if, again, as you move up the chain, as you move up the ladder, there's more to do. There's not less to do, right? (laughs) Your boss isn't giving this tasking to you so they can go golfing. They have more to do, right? As we go up, we have more to do. So one of the ways that we can be more scientific, more deliberate about making these choices is to do a Drucker time analysis. And we have other guidance on how to do this, but we'll kind of sum it up here. That's in the uh, time and priority management cost. Oh, good. Okay. So we're going to give you guys a kind of a summary overview of it. And what you do is you take note of what you're doing every 10 minutes for a week. And when you've completed this audit, 
then you'll be able to see exactly how much time you're devoting to each part of your work. And we want to tell you, be prepared. The tasks that take up the majority of your time may not be the tasks that you think of as priority. We think we're spending a bunch of time on X, but actually we're probably spending a bunch of time on email. Yeah, I'm always surprised. I use rescue time to track what I'm doing during the week. And I'm always surprised how much time I've managed to spend in Gmail when I could swear I just went in, answered my emails and left again. Yeah. I mean, we we do also have guidance about emails and, and you shouldn't be just triaging your inbox. You should actually be actioning your inbox and being very deliberate about it. But, you know, sometimes you get an email, someone texts you, hey, can you look at this or something like that? And then you end up in there and it's like a black hole for your time. So when you're doing the audit, be prepared to find out that where you're really spending your time is not where you thought. And what that, for me, and this isn't always true for everybody, but for me, what that says is that maybe I don't have my my priorities listed correctly because clearly, even though one thing is listed as a priority, that's not the thing I'm spending the most time on. So we do the audit, right? We check, we take note of what we're doing every 10 minutes for a week. And once you see how much time all the different parts of your work take up, then you'll be able to see opportunities for decreasing that time and increasing your efficiency. And that will give you time to do more things, right? Or you can see gaps where you're not doing anything productive and you can slot new things in. So this audit will really allow you to make an evaluation and then see, you know, okay, do I need to spend time in a different way? Do I have more time than I thought? Because I think a lot of um, the time people believe that they don't have a lot of time because we've just become so obsessed with this idea that we're all busy. I always ask people at the conference, you know, raise your hand if you're not busy. <laughs> no one ever says no. Uh, no one ever raises their hand, right? And yet people watch a lot of TV and they read a lot of books and they spend time with their families and there's value in those things. It's just that what we think is, oh, I'm really busy. So you'll be able to see once you do this analysis, okay, where am I spending my time? Where do I have the ability to make some changes and and kind of improve those the, that situation? Right. So time taken is one way to measure the value of the work you're doing. And the other way to look at it is the actual value of the work itself. So the value of work is a reflection of a combination of your boss's priorities, the mission, the vision of the company, your team, your role, and so on. So you look at all of those aspects it might be, and it often is, we find with people who do these time analysis, that the thing they're spending the most time on is not the thing that has most value to the organization. So for example, as a marketer in a company, the main task would be creating marketing materials to increase the awareness of the company and sales of the product, right? That's what a marketer does. They make collateral and have ideas for things that increase the sales of the company. But maybe in a very collaborative company, there would be a lot of value put on meetings with other departments, which allow the departments to review the work and comment on the proposals. So that's a a company value for collaboration, which means that those meetings are much more valuable than you might think if all you said was, I have to produce collateral. And it would be easy to look at those meetings and think they take up a lot of time and we only do minor changes, so let's not do them at all. But it's really unwise to do so because of the the way the company values those meetings, that those meetings is the value in the collaboration, is the value in meeting together and having for the other departments to have a chance to 
talk about those plans that you have, the company values that much more highly than the time taken or the changes made in those meetings would suggest. You can change your your timing, right? You can demote or delegate the least valuable commitments on your list of priorities, your list of tasks to make space for new work that your boss wants to give you, to make space for this new tasking. But as you can see, you know, as we're talking about, you do need to have estimated the actual value of the work in your role with this boss and in your company. So you have to make sure that if you're demoting or delegating work, that it's the work with the least value as perceived by the organization. Not just, oh, I don't want to do this, so it's not valuable to me. It is it's really easy. Yeah. It's really easy to demote or delegate work that we don't enjoy. But that's not always the work with the least value. There are things, especially at my previous role, there were things I really did not enjoy doing. And I knew how important they were to the organization. I spent a lot of time making slides for this really important meeting on every Thursday and they had to be updated and it was it was very tedious and it wasn't very, it didn't take a lot of brain power, right? It was just moving numbers mm-hmm. from one location to the other and putting them in the slides. However, that meeting had 40 or 50 people in it and that was essentially a status briefing for those people. And so it was really, really valuable to the organization, even if I didn't enjoy the hour and a half I spent moving data from my efforts onto these slides. So you do need to pay attention to the actual value of your work and not just how you feel about it. And as an individual contributor, as the person at the bottom of the hierarchy, you don't have anyone to delegate to. And we have a cast for that, of course, called Delegating to the Floor for Directs. Basically, you just delegate it to the floor and the floor doesn't do the task and you wait to see whether or not you get in trouble for it. And nine times out of 10, if it's a low value task and you stop doing it, nobody will notice. I love delegating to the floor. The floor, you know, he he's always early and he always stays late but he does no work. You know, one of the ways that I sometimes think about this is when you think about inefficiencies in your work or stuff that's maybe not as valuable, there's those kind of things when, you know, people go on vacation and they don't delegate everything, right? Or they don't reassign all of their tasks. Those two or three things that can wait a week while you're on vacation, maybe those things aren't as high value, right? Maybe those are lower priority things. And so that's like a really good place to start for me is always, what are the things that when I'm going out, the last thing on the list? And those are always the things that if you're going to go on vacation, you maybe don't have to reassign for me. So there's a lot of ways to think about it. The other great thing about vacation is think about the two days before you go to vacation and how efficient you are, how much you get done. You could be doing that all the time, but nobody does because there's no pressure. There's no deadline. Right. But when you're actually going on vacation, it's amazing how much more you can get done and how easily you can make decisions about what you are going to do and what you're not going to do. Deadlines drive behavior. And vacation is a really fun deadline. Yeah. And nobody wants to miss it, right? Nobody wants to go, oh, look, I've still got this four hours of work. I'll do it tomorrow while I'm on vacation. Yeah. Nobody wants to do that. People are so funny. We're, we're such a funny group. So um, even if your boss hasn't asked you to do extra work yet, you can still prepare yourself for this situation. Right? You can still be ready to say yes when they do ask. And you really don't need for, to wait for your boss to ask. You could offer. You could volunteer to take work off your boss's plate, um, to take on new work. You could go to your boss and say, hey, I've got some bandwidth. Is there anything that needs to get done? That's always great. 
anybody would be excited to have someone come to them and say, hey, can I take something off your plate? And you could do that. It's it's a career-enhancing move, right? It's something that bosses love, and it really makes you look really good. Yeah, it does. And you don't have to say, oh, by the way, I've got nothing to do. You can say, I've been working on being more efficient. I've been working on decreasing the amount of time it takes me to do all my tasks, and now I have some time left over to take something from you. You don't have to imply that you don't have enough work to do and you're bored, or you don't have enough work to do and you don't have value for the organization. You can couch it in such a way that it was done as a a deliberate step. You did it deliberately. Absolutely. Especially if you do the time analysis, if you use any kind of analysis tool, and probably not very many people are very deliberate with their calendars or very deliberate with their time. In my experience, maybe we know some people who are, but what I see is that people aren't very deliberate with their time. So if you went to your boss and said, hey, I've been trying to be more efficient, and they're probably going to ask, well, how did you do that? And showing them this time analysis, it really would show that you're being really deliberate, that you're cognizant of where your time is going. And that's something that's of value to the organization. The organization does not want you spending your minutes on something else. They want to know that you're spending your minutes in the right way. And you're making an analysis of that. And that is something that I don't think a lot of employees do. And I think it would be super impressive for a manager to see that from someone. Absolutely. You're right. So to summarize, when your boss asks you to do extra work, he believes that you have the time and capability to do it. When you say no, you're making his life harder because he has to find someone else to do it, and you're saying his analysis is wrong. So as a direct, your job is to be supportive of your boss. And so you say yes to the extra work. And you say yes because it benefits you in your career. It benefits you in the opportunities that you're going to get. It benefits you to be the person who says yes and who gets things done. But also you're benefiting the organization. You're benefiting your boss. It's a win-win all around. So say yes to extra work, then work out how you're going to get it done. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Wendy. Bye, everyone. I hope you now know why turning down work is a bad idea and you'll be saying yes to your boss in the future. We'll see you next week.